Here in Deuteronomy chapter two, I've been teaching from this verse And this is about the Lord telling Moses to go in and possess the land. They had stayed at Mount Seir long enough. For 40 years, they'd been wandering in the wilderness until the generation that wouldn't obey God and believe God died off. And now he says, it's time. You've stayed here long enough. Rise up, take your journey, pass over the river Arnon, which is the boundary of Sihon's kingdom. In other words, enter into battle, put yourself in a vulnerable position, make a commitment, commit yourself to what I've told you to do. Get up and do something, go forward. That's what we've talked about. I've spent two messages and all we've covered is Deuteronomy chapter two, verse 24. We've covered the part that says, rise ye up, take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. I've spent close to three hours talking on that. It's amazing. That's pretty good for a guy that's an introvert and can't look at people in the face and talk to them and spend three hours on 10 words or something. Amen. So uh, I tell you, this is powerful. And the reason I'm teaching on this is because for the last two or three weeks, I've been studying uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And I just keep coming back to this verse. God rang my bell through it. And the first parts that I've talked about already, rise up, take your journey, pass over the river Arnon, These are things that I think I've already been doing that. I've come this far. But when it got to the part I want to talk to you about tonight, God just really began to impress this on me. And this is what he's been speaking to me. None of us have arrived. We're all in varying stages of our journey and accomplishing what God's called us to do. And the Lord has been speaking to me about this part right here, right after it says, rise up, Take your journey, pass over the river Arnon. Then it says, behold, I have given into thy hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon. Begin to possess the land and contend with him. And boy, God just really spoke this to me about how God thinks. He thinks so differently than the way we do. And you know what? We don't need to change him to our way of thinking. We need to conform to the way he thinks and do things his way. He says, behold, that means look. In other words, this is something you've got to see that I have. That means it's already been done. I have given Sihon into your hand. And yet there was nothing that had happened. I guarantee you, if you would have said that to Sihon at that time, he would have been offended. What do you mean he's given me into your hand? You don't have any rights here. He was still free. He still had his armies. He still had his kingdom. But in God's heart, he had already determined that Sihon and his kingdom were going to be given over to the Israelites and it was a done deal. His fate was sealed. Did you know it was actually this way 40 years before? Let me just take a detour. I'll come back to this verse, but look over in Joshua chapter two. This is when Joshua sent spies out uh, to the land and they were spying out the land. And they went into this woman who was named Rahab. She was actually a harlot. And she hid them from the king of Jericho. He heard that there were spies from Israel that had come into Jericho to spy it out. And he heard that they had gone to Rahab's house. And so he sent soldiers there. And Rahab lied and said, no, they they were here, but they're already gone. The truth is they were hiding up on the roof under uh, stacks of wheat or some kind of uh, grain. And she hid them. And then as soon as the soldiers were gone, she told them to leave. But here's what she said to them Uh, in verse nine. This is Joshua chapter two, verse nine. 
And she said unto the man, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. Now think about this. They didn't have CNN. They didn't have television. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have this. And yet the miracle of what God had done for the Israelites coming out of Egypt and the Lord drying up the Red Sea. You know, many of us were raised on this as kids and we heard this as a Bible story or something in church and it's become so familiar with us. We don't think about it. But what would you think if you'd never heard anything like this, there was no such stories And all of a sudden you heard that there was an army that was coming against the United States and the Lord just dried up the Atlantic Ocean and they marched or drove their vehicles over here. I guarantee you, uh, we would be a little bit shocked like, man, God's for these guys. What are we going to do? They were, they were terrified. This was a first class miracle. It wasn't something they grew up hearing. They, they believed it. And she said that since We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites. That's talking about Sihon and Og. uh, Sihon is what we're reading about in Deuteronomy chapter two. And what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And look at this in verse 11. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you for the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This isn't Rahab just speaking for herself. She said that all of us, since we heard this, there is no breath in us. There's no strength in us since we heard it. When did they hear about the Red Sea? 40 years before. Did you know that the truth is God had given this promised land to the Israelites 40 years before. And if they would have just obeyed God and crossed the river, like I was talking this morning and have entered into battle and have begun, the people were already disheartened. Fear was in them. They would have dropped their weapons. They would have run. The truth is Israel could have well taken the promised land 40 years before but the people who were supposed to be God's people, the believers, they went in and instead of seeing how God was with them and how that man, the people's spirit had left them. This is a harlot telling you what she perceived. People that weren't even in relationship with God and weren't living for God had a better perception of God than his own people. She was saying, since we heard of it, our spirit fainted within us and there was no strength. The truth is if the Israelites would have walked in, the people would have turned, thrown down their weapons. They'd have surrendered. They'd have run. They could have had a cakewalk walking into the promised land. It wouldn't have been a problem. It was there 40 years before the Lord had already given it into their hands, but God's people wouldn't believe it. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness that they didn't need to spend there. It was their unbelief that kept them from receiving, not the giants that were in the land not their weapons, not their strong cities. Jericho, of course, we know the story now that the walls fell down flat and those walls were just, it wasn't even a factor. Those walls were big enough that you could play a game of baseball. You could have an entire baseball diamond on the walls of Jericho. That's how impenetrable they were. And yet God just had them fall down flat. 
They've actually done excavation on it and they weren't crumbled with mounds of rock and stuff. They literally sunk into the ground so that you could walk straight across. It was absolutely miraculous. The walls were no big deal. And yet in the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers, this is what the spies said. They live in in fit cities, in strong dwellings. They're giants. And they said, we were as grasshoppers in their sight and so were we in ours. You know, it doesn't matter what anybody else sees you like. It doesn't matter if they discount you and say you'll never amount to anything. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It's what you think about you that counts. And the problem was that they saw themselves as grasshoppers. That's where they lost the battle. They were looking through the eyes of unbelievers and they weren't even seeing the true view. The true view is that the moment these inhabitants of the land saw and heard what God had done, their spirit had fainted. The truth is they were still giants, but their strength had departed from them. God had given them the land. And so when he told Moses over here in Deuteronomy chapter two, behold, I have given into your hand, Sihon, king of the Amorites, the Amorite, king of Heshbon. God had already done it. His strength was already gone. The moment God tells you something, the power is there to accomplish it. When God spoke to Peter and said, come, did you know one word in the English language, a four letter word, come, had enough power and anointing in it to walk on top of water. Man, that's powerful. God created this world by words. And when God says, do this, that command that he has given you has enough anointing and power in it to accomplish it. If you mix it with faith, Hebrews chapter four, verse two says the word preached unto them did not profit them. He's talking about the Israelites, the exact instance we're reading. The word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word of God is powerful. The Bible says by his stripes, you were healed. That is enough to get you raised from the dead. Cancer to be healed, blind eyes to be open. You don't need anything. The word is powerful, but it has to be mixed with faith. Faith is the thing that releases the power in the word. The word just doesn't work without faith. And there's people all the time say, well, I know what the word says, but it's not working in my life. You aren't mixing it with faith. You mix it with faith and I guarantee you it'll work. If you believed in the power of the word, if you believe these things, you could overcome anything. The moment God said, I have given into your hands, Sihon, Sihon was dead. Sihon, it was over. His kingdom was numbered. Now, but it's real interesting in the rest of this verse, he goes on to say, begin to possess it. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow morning and contend with him in battle. If it's already done, well, then why do I have to do anything? See, that's the way that people think. If I'm already healed, well, then how come the doctor says that I've still got this sickness and disease and here's my tested proof. No, I'm not healed. This proves that I don't, I'm not healed. I've got pain in my body. That proves that I'm still not healed. Man, I just pray that the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to understand because I don't feel like I have the words to convey what I'd love to convey here. But there are things that are true that you can't perceive with your little peanut brain. There are things that are true that you can't feel. Did you know right now there's television signals, there's radio signals in this auditorium. 
Somebody says there are not. Why not? Because you can't see them or hear them. There's things all around you that you can't see or hear. There's germs that you can't see, but you know what? They do exist. And according to scripture, scripture is how we see into the true spiritual realm. There are demonic spirits and there are lies about spiritual things, but the word of God gives us the true uh, revelation of what's in the spiritual realm. John six sixty three says the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This reveals what's going on in the spiritual realm. And in the spiritual realm, according to the word, there are tens of millions of angels in this place. Somebody says, where'd you get that from? I'm not going to explain it. I'd have to go into scriptures and show you, but that's what the scripture teaches. There are millions and millions of angels in this place. There are demons in this place right now. Somebody says, no, yes. I thought you pled the blood over this place. How dare any demons come in here? If there, if no demons could come in here, we wouldn't have very many people in this room. think about that. Do you know what? If you're depressed, that's demonic. Most sickness or much sickness, I can say that without any contradiction. And even I believe most sickness is demonic. I prayed with four or five people out here tonight who the pain instantly left them. And I didn't necessarily say that this was demonic, but it was demonic. And I took authority over the devil and rebuked it in pain. Much of your sickness and disease is demonic. Worry and fear is demonic. There are demonic spirits in this room. There are angels in this room. And yet most people say, oh, well, there are not. How could you say such a thing? Because the Bible says it. And yet some people just can't believe that anything is true other than what they can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. What some kind of physical test can reveal. And you're the people that will not enter into the promised land and possess the land that God's given you. The truth is God has said, I have already given you healing by my stripes. You were healed. First Peter 2, 24. It's already done. Does that mean that it's already done? It's already done in the spirit. God's already commanded it. The power is all available, but now you have to begin to possess it and contend with that sickness or disease. There's some things that you have to do. You have to stand and rebuke. You know, this, I wished I could have taken the offering after I got through tonight, but I thought that would have been a little self-serving after I preached this message. But this was a great message for, to give for the offering. But, um, but you know what? I'm in the process of doing these things and, and it's done. It's a done deal. God's the one who told me to do it. I didn't come up with this. I don't believe that this is my desire. I could spend the rest of the night giving you things that God has shown me that confirm that this is what he wants me to do and how he's led me to do it. I'm not going to take that time, but I believe that this is what God has led me to do. I believe God is the one that put this on my heart. I believe that he's responsible for it. And you know what? I believe it's already done. It's already mine. I've already got it. So does that mean that I'm free to just do nothing because I've already got it? No, it's already a done deal. The power, God's already given the command. It is done and the physical world has to respond. But there's things that I have to do to receive and cooperate with God and allow him to flow through me. 
It says in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And there's not a period there. It says, according to the power that works in us. If you don't have any power working in you, God is not able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. That is not a true statement if you just put a period there. It says it's according to the power that works in us. That power is faith. You have to believe God. And there's things you have to do to quicken your faith. There's things you have to do to get yourself built up. And so God has already commanded it. This vision that we have for these buildings and things, it's a done deal. God's commanded it, but you know what? I've got to walk it out. I've got to begin to possess it. I've got to contend with my unbelief and the things that Satan would try and do to me to say it won't work. And there's a lot I still have to do, but I'm not doing it in order to get God to bless me. I'm doing it because God has already blessed me. He said, it's mine. And I am not going to let the devil stop what God has commanded in my life from coming into manifestation. And there is a huge difference between contending or fighting because you believe you are free and you aren't going to give up your freedom and contending, trying to get free. There is a difference between fighting to get healed and fighting because you've already been healed and Satan is trying to take from you what is rightfully yours as a believer. There is a difference between fighting because I'm already blessed and fighting in order to get blessed. Some of you don't see the difference, but there's a huge difference. One is enforcing what has already been done. The other is trying to get God to do something. If you were trying to get God to do something, then automatically there is an element of doubt about it may not happen. But if you are trying to only just receive what God has already done, there's no doubt that God will do what he's already done. Understand that? Squirrel, come up here. All right, here, here's my Bible. I give my Bible to Squirrel. What would you think if Squirrel comes around and says, Andrew, Andrew, please give me your Bible. Would you please give me your Bible? How do you respond to somebody who's asking me to do something that I've already done? I'd probably just look at him and think, you're a little squirrely, Squirrel. <laughs> Like something's wrong with you. How come this guy's asking me for something that he's already got? Probably I'd just look at him and not do anything. He'd be silent. Very similar to the response most people get when they beg God to heal them. And he says, I've already healed you. Oh God, bless me. I've already blessed you. Oh God, give me more faith. You've already got the faith of God. Oh God, bless me, move in my life. And he's already done. Oh God, come and be with us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Give me back my Bible. (laughs) But you see what I'm saying? How do you respond to a person who's asking? You've got unbelief. You're starting from a position of unbelief. When you say, oh God, I believe that you're bigger than cancer. I believe that you can heal me in the name of Jesus. I'm going to be healed. You've already defeated because you're embracing defeat and saying, I am sick. I am dying, but I believe I can get healed. There's an element of doubt. 
if healing is on the other side of that platform and I'm here and I say, I'm not healed, but I believe I can get there. You know, you've already factored unbelief and doubt into your deal because you may not make it. What would happen if somebody ran up here and tackled me before I could get to the other side? But if healing is right here, if this is healing, how can I doubt that I'll get where I already am? Your doubt just totally evaporates and it becomes a totally different thing. I still study the word and pray and do things and speak, but I'm doing it to enforce what God has already given me. Satan, you will not take from me. You will not stop me from seeing the full manifestation of what is rightfully mine. I've already got it. See, he told Moses, behold, I have given into your hand Sion. Now, Go begin to possess it and contend with him. In other words, there were still things he had to do, but man, what a great fight. If, if you know that your fight, the outcome is guaranteed. If you knew for certain that you could not lose and that it was a done deal, that the fight is rigged, that regardless of what they throw at you, you're going to win. You would go into that fight with a totally different attitude because you know, I'm ultimately going to win this. I don't care what it takes. But see, the reason people get discouraged and quit at the first sign of battle, the first little hardship that comes up is because they weren't convinced that they really had it in the first place. They're just trying it. And uh, I talked to a woman tonight and she said, I've prayed and things got worse. And I said, that's great. (laughs) She looked at me like, what's great about that? And I said, it's just like when Jesus cast demons out of people. He would command the demons to come out and they were standing there looking normal. And the moment he spoke to them, they'd fall on the ground and begin to wallow and foam and scream and yell. It looked worse, but you know what that was? That was the devil coming out. That's actually a positive sign. If you rebuke something and you get to feeling worse, that means that you have put pressure on the devil. He is in the process of coming out and he's just tearing you, hoping that you will quit and give up and say, oh no, it's worse than before I even stood and you'll back off your faith. But it's a positive sign. It's a positive sign when you rebuke something and everything gets worse. It means that Satan is out in the open now. He's throwing everything he's got planned at you for a year in advance at you trying to get you to back up. That's great. I like it when things like that happen. Amen. Some of you think, where did you come from? The word. I've been meditating in the word and notice this. This is what really grabbed my attention. He told Moses, he says, behold, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon. He says, behold, that means look, see, He couldn't see this with his physical eyes. He couldn't see Sihon defeated because in the natural, he wasn't defeated yet. His kingdom hadn't been destroyed yet. They hadn't fought the battles yet. He's not telling him to look with his physical eyes. You've got to see with your heart. And this is what really grabbed my attention. And the Lord began to speak to me that I need to behold these buildings completed I need to behold and see 3,000 people sitting under the word five hours, four hours a day, five days a week and see the nations being changed and see things. I can't see it with my physical eyes. I have to see it with my heart. 
You know, it's so, it's so wonderful that we have computer models today that we can take these drawings and the things that we've done. And now you can physically see things with your eyes that aren't a reality yet. But did you know that your heart is able to see clearer than this? The building that we now are in, like I said this morning, we went from 14,600 square feet to 110,000 square feet. And it was a warehouse and it was empty. And we didn't have virtual tours, virtual reality tours uh, back in 2003 when we started this process. I mean, I guess they had them, but we didn't have them. And I didn't have this. And so, you know what I did? I went out and I had our builder put... um, duct tape on the floor where every wall was, where every door was, they put a little opening and they put the entire floor plan of that building on the floor. You know why I wanted that? So I could see it. And I spent, I couldn't tell you, but I would spend an hour to two hours nearly every day after everybody left, just walking in that building and praying and seeing that building finished. I would stand there and I never walked through a wall. I never stepped over the duct tape. I would go over to where the door was and I'd see myself opening that door. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. (laughs) You know what I was doing? I was seeing what God told me about that building come to pass. I went into the auditorium and I put five gallon buckets upside down and I put pieces of plywood on top of them and I made a platform And I stood there in the dark preaching to people. And I preached entire messages to people with not a single person in the building. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. I think that that's beholding, that's seeing what God says to you come to pass. And I did this for hundreds of hours. I did it day after day for nearly two years. And I did these, and it got so alive on the inside of me. And I saw that building with my heart that when we actually moved in and we had a dedication service and all of the students came and here we were with this packed out and people could see with their physical eyes, the things that I'd been seeing in my heart. I had a student come up and say, you don't act excited. Aren't you excited to see what God has done? And I told her, I said, you know, it's not that I'm not excited, but this is anticlimactic. I've already seen it. I've already been in this building hundreds of times and I saw it finished before anybody else saw it finished. And to see it with my eyes is not as vivid and real as seeing it with my heart. I'm saying some things right here that a lot of people don't think this way. And that's the very reason that you don't enter in and possess the land is because you can't behold anything that you can't see with your physical eyes. I'm saying this in love. I'm saying it to try and encourage you and help you, but you are basically blind if all you've got is physical sight and you can't see things with your heart. That's not the way God made us to be. It says over in second Corinthians chapter four, verse 18, it says, but we beholding. Let's see. How does it say that? 2 Corinthians 4, 18. Have you got that? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This says that we're looking at things that can't be seen. What does that mean? If you can't see it, how can you see it? You have an ability to see with your heart 
And very few people draw on this. And yet a Christian ought to be more controlled by what you see on the inside than what you see with your eyes. But it's not. With most of us, we are more controlled by what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, our five senses, than we are by what the Word says and reveals about the spiritual realm. And because of it, we just can't believe that by his stripes we were healed because I've still got a pain because here's a doctor's report that shows that I'm not healed. I pray for people all of the time and they say, oh man, I can't wait to go to the doctor and see if I'm healed. (laughs) And I try not to say anything, but I tell you what, you're just, you're defeated before you get started. That's not the way that it works. You have to see yourself healed before you see yourself healed. You have to see it on the inside before you see it on the outside. You know, I've used this example before, but I actually listened to a teaching one time by a minister and he was talking about a pastor's wife who was legally blind and had real trouble seeing. She had these thick glasses that were like the bottom of a Coke bottle. She was legally blind and a healing evangelist was coming to her church and she knew that this guy would want to pray for her, but she didn't want prayer because she had had other people pray for her and she never saw any improvement and she didn't want to be discouraged again. So she avoided him. And finally, this guy just cornered her and said, I want to pray for you. And she said, okay. And he made her take her glasses off and he prayed for her and commanded healing into her. And he says, now, can you see? And she started to open her eyes and he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes real quick, wondering, what's this about? He asked me if I could see. And so he said a second time, he says, now, can you see? And she started to open her eyes and he says, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes. She wondered, what's this guy doing? And he said the third time, now can you see? And she started to open her eyes and he said, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. You got to see yourself seen before you see. See, this is the problem. When you've had something a long time, it not only gets in your body, it gets in your spiritual eyesight. You see yourself sick. You see yourself frail. You see yourself a failure in your heart. And the scripture reveals Proverbs 23, seven, as he thinks in his heart, that's the way that he is. You are, some of you aren't going to like this, but it's the truth. It's meant to help you. Your life is right now the way you see it being. It may not be the way you want it to be. It may not be the way you're praying for it to be, but it is the way you see it being. There are many of you praying for prosperity, but you see yourself poor. And your life is the way you see it. There are many of you praying to be healed, but you see yourself sick. You dream sick. In your dreams, you're sick. You think about planning your funeral. You think about going into a a home or something to deal and cope with things. And you see yourself dependent upon medication and this. And that's what you see. And that's the way that your life is. You may be praying for something different. Lots of people have desires contrary to the way they see themselves, but your life is the way you think in your heart. Your life is going the way of your dominant thought. 
And again, this isn't popular in our society because we are masters at passing the buck and saying, oh no, I'm not responsible. I was raised in a dysfunctional family. It was because this person did this to me. It's because the government doesn't give me enough money. It's because of the color of my skin. It's because I don't have an education. We have a million excuses for our defeat, but your life is the way that it is because of the way you think. You see yourself a certain way and your life is the way it is because of the way you think. If you don't like the way your life is, you're going to have to change your thinking, your ability to see. You're going to have to see yourself well before you get well. That's what he's telling Moses. Behold, Sihon defeated before he was defeated. You got to see him defeated. You got to see yourself the victor before you are the victor. And you don't do that by just sitting in a lotus position and just imagining something or whatever you want to. You go to the word of God and take the promises that promise you absolute victory, that promise you healing or prosperity or deliverance. And you meditate on those until you see it, until it becomes real. See this woman that he, this evangelist was praying for, he finally got his point across. You got to see it on the inside before you see it on the outside. So she kept her eyes closed And she started praying in tongues and taking scripture and saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. And she kept her eyes closed for a period of time. And finally she told him, she says, I've got it. I can see myself seeing without glasses. He says, now open your eyes. And she opened her eyes and she could see. But see, we often pray for people. And we pray and ask God, but then we're going to open our eyes. We're going to feel, we're going to go to the doctor. We're going to check our bank account to see if God has done anything. And you've never seen it by faith. Faith is an ability to see something with your heart that you can't see with your eyes. And for you to enter in and possess the land that God has for you, you've got to get to where you can see by faith. You know, we had an instance where we were holding a Bible school meeting. David was there and Gail was there. Jamie was there. I think Wendell was there. And anyway, I'm not sure if Wendell, that might've been when you were in England. But anyway, we had a bunch of people that are here that could confirm this. And there was a center aisle in this. Uh, We were in a Holiday Inn. There was a center aisle and Jamie was up leading praise and worship. And I mean, the power of God was just present. People were worshiping God. It was a great, great time. And I was on this center aisle and there were two doors over here on the side and I had my eyes closed. And yet in my heart, I saw this with my heart. I didn't see it with my eyes. I just, it was just like a mental image. If I say right now, picture an apple, you've got a image. Some of you will picture a red apple. Some of you will picture a green apple. Some of you might picture an apple that's already been eaten. You might picture an apple with a worm out, but you got a mental picture. If I say picture a car, you'd picture a car and you'd probably picture the one that you drive or something or the one that you want to drive. But you can see things in your mind's eye that you can't see with your physical eye. I had my eyes closed and as I was worshiping the Lord, I just saw those doors over there just swing wide open like this. They were on closers and yet they just automatically swung open and then they closed real slowly and Jesus walked in and stood in front of them and they closed behind him. And then there was these two friends of mine from Chicago that were sitting over on this side 
And I saw Jesus walk up and touch one on the forehead. And this woman just fell spread eagle flat on her face on the carpet like this and just was worshiping God. And then there was two people in between and he went over to this other woman, just touched her and she fell on her knees and put her hands up and began to worship God. And what I was seeing with my heart was so real that I opened my eyes to see if I could see with my eyes what I was seeing with my heart. And at the moment I looked over there, those doors just boom, swung open like this and nobody was there. And then they just closed real slowly. Uh, David was there and he said he noticed those doors swinging open and it was strange because nobody was there. And then they just closed slowly. And then I kept looking and this first lady just all of a sudden fell flat on her face on the floor, just spread eagle worshiping God. And then two people down, this other woman hit her knees and just started worshiping the Lord. And did you know everything I was seeing with my heart, I could see with my eyes, but it was about 15 or 20 seconds later and I couldn't see Jesus. I couldn't see anything that was in the spirit. All I could see was the physical results in this natural realm. And because of that, guess what I did? I closed my eyes because I could see better with my heart than I could see with my eyes. And I, the Lord came over and spoke some things to me and ministered to me. And then he went down that center aisle and I saw him. I had, I was facing forward. I wasn't seeing this with my eyes. I seen it with my heart. I saw him walk to people and touch them and minister to them. And after the meeting, I went up and said, what happened during that meeting? I didn't tell them anything because I didn't want to prejudice them. And I just said, what happened? And everyone I'm beginning to tell me word for word what Jesus had spoken to them and had done. And I saw these things with my heart. This is what the scripture means when it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, while we look not at things that can be seen, because things that can be seen are temporary, temporal, but things that can't be seen are eternal. You can see things with your heart. And many of us have promises from God, leadings from God, but we need to see those things real before we see it with our physical eyes. This is what he's telling Moses. Behold, look, I have given into your hand Sihon and yet not a thing had happened in the natural, but it was already done in the spiritual realm. You know, I've got a whole teaching out there entitled uh, Faith Builders. It's a whole set. I've got another set. Um, I forgot what that's in time. But anyway, I've got a bunch of teaching on this very thing. I could talk on this for days. But most people don't understand. This is what the Bible calls faith. Faith is just an ability to see with your heart things that you can't see with your physical eyes. And you've got to see it. Matter of fact, here's a verse that would uh, correspond to this. is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, it's it's saying gives substance. Substance is talking about something tangible. This has substance. This is tangible. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can pick it up and move it. Faith gives substance, tangibility. It makes reality things that are hoped for. The word hope is talking about something that isn't present. Look at this verse over in Romans chapter eight. I want to read this to you. Romans chapter eight, I think it's around verse 22. Uh, 
How about verse 24? That was close. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. If you can see it, you can't hope for it. Hope is something that is not seen. It's something that isn't yet a reality. So going back to Romans, I mean, uh, Hebrews 11, one, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's substance of things that aren't tangible yet, but you can see it by faith. Hope is an ability to see something that cannot be seen. Look, continue to read right here in Romans chapter eight, verse 24. We are saved by hope, but hope that is not, that is seen is not hope for what a man sees. Why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that, we see not then do we with patience wait for it. You know what this is talking about? And again, I wished I had about five hours to teach on this. I've got a great teaching on imagination. But you know what hope is? Hope is an ability to see with your imagination at your heart something that isn't present. You, every one of us have an imagination. Most adults think an imagination is childish and I don't live in an imagination world and I don't do that. You can't live without an imagination. You couldn't get home tonight without an imagination. Did you know most of you don't have to use a map to get home? Or a GPS? (laughs) Or let's say if you're staying over here at the hotel, you don't have to use a map or something. You know what you do? You've been there, you've seen it, and you have a picture in your mind. If I was to ask you right now, how do you get out of the, or let me say, you know, where are the restaurants? I don't know where the restrooms in this building are. But if you have been to the restrooms, you know what you would tell me? You'd say, well, you go out these doors, and I'm just making this up now because I hadn't been there. But you go out these doors and you turn left and you go down here and let's see, it's the third door on the left. Oh no, that's the woman's. The man is the fourth door. And you would be sitting there, counting these doors. Did you sit there and intentionally count? Let's see, it's one, two, three, four doors. No, you didn't count the door. How is it you know it's the third or the fourth door? It's because in your mind, you can see it. You can picture it. Here's another example. If I was to ask, how many doors do you have on the ground floor of your house? I bet you most of you have never sat down and counted. Or if I was to ask, how many windows do you have in the ground floor of your house. Most of you have never sat down and counted them. You don't just know this by numbers, but what, you know what you would do right now? You've got a picture and you could walk into that house and you could look around that house and you could count them. You could, every person in here could tell me how many doors you have in your house. Cause you could sit there and count them. You've got a picture and you see it. That's how you navigate. That's how you know which way to go home. Because you know that it's down here and you know that you go to the third. You know, if you say, how do you get to the airport? You say, well, you go to the third light. You didn't count those lights before. You're doing it right now. You're looking and you're, that's what that is, is imagination. You can't live without an imagination. You can't build a building without an imagination. We've had to talk to architects and to builders. And you know, I sat there and scribbled out on paper what I wanted and gave them some ideas. And then they turned it into these nice looking things. But you know, this is why you make blueprints is because a picture is worth a thousand words. 
If you get something and it needs to be assembled, did you know that they will have written explanation, but they'll have a picture over here and say figure one or figure two, and here's how you connect and then it shows. And if all they did was put it in writing, it would limit you in your ability to do it. But if you put writing and a picture together, you know what that does? It helps your imagination. So man, here's, a, here's another great truth. I'm not going to take time to turn over there, but in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. You know what the Hebrew word that is used in, in Isaiah 26, three is for mind. It's the Greek word. Yes. Yes, sir. I guess Y E S E R. And it means conception. That's what the definition of that word is. And it was translated imagination in Genesis chapter six, verse five, that the imagination of people's hearts was only evil continually. In uh, Genesis chapter 11, the Lord came down to see the tower of Babel. And he says, now nothing that they have imagined will be restrained. That's that same Greek word that is used for mind in Isaiah 26, three. And it means conception putting all of this together. I'm condensing a lot of things. You can go study it out on your own or you can take my word for it. You'd be better to go study it, get it yourself. But what this is saying is that your imagination is the conception part of your mind. You conceive things in your imagination. It's like your spiritual womb. You know, if you want to have a child, you got to get pregnant in your womb. That's where conception takes place. If you want to see the miracle power of God work, you have to see things in your imagination, which is the spiritual womb. You got to see it. If you can't see it on the inside, you won't see it on the outside. Boy, this is powerful what I'm saying. And most Christians don't understand this. And so they will hear somebody give a testimony and say, God wants you well. And they say, man, I want that. I desire it. So they start praying for it, but they never see it. There are many of you that think I was silly to put tape on the floor and spend hours walking and praying in tongues and seeing those walls. I would sit there and I never walked over that tape. I would walk around it because I, by faith, I can see that there's a wall going right here. I would see it by faith. And some of you think that's not dealing in reality. I think you're the one that's not dealing in reality. You're only dealing in carnal, physical reality and you're denying the spiritual world and the spiritual realm. I tell you, you've got to get to where you see things with your heart. You have to see yourself successful. There are some of you praying for success, but you see yourself a failure. You failed when you were a kid. Your parents told you you'd always be a failure. Maybe you've had a divorce. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe something has happened and it's hurt your self-esteem. And because of it, you see yourself a failure and you're praying for success, but you see yourself a failure and you will fail as long as you see yourself a failure. You don't have virgin births in the spiritual realm. You got to conceive it in your imagination. You got to see yourself succeeding. Man, that is powerful. And this is where so many people miss it. You got to see these things. Many people who want to lose weight, you know what they do? They put a picture of a fat person on the fridge. 
and say, those who indulge bulge and they use negative motivation. They use negative motivation to get them going. Did you know that a better motivation is to put a picture of a skinny, you get a skinny body and put your face on it and say, I can see that. And if you could truly see yourself that way, you'll become that way. If you could truly see yourself, you know, I could go into so many secular things. There are some people in the natural world that have understood some of these principles. You know, the uh, Dale Carnegie course and stuff that taught on being successful. One of the things that they made you do is stand in front of a mirror and speak to yourself and talk to yourself and say things over you. And you would keep doing it until you actually got an image of you succeeding and being able to do things. Even carnal people, even people outside of the body of Christ, some people have gotten hold of these things. And sad to say, most Christians think, well, that would be immature for me to live in a fantasy realm. Imagination, you have to use an imagination to be in fantasy, but imagination will also get you into what the word is saying and walking by the word. And you can deal with spiritual reality, but you have to kick in your imagination. You have to get to where you see it. Think of it this way. The Lord came down to see the Tower of Babel and he was threatened by man's imagination and he divided our tongues into these different languages because he says nothing that they have imagined will be restrained unto them. I re- Some of you are going to disagree with me on this and you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. So I'm not upset with you or anything, but if you can imagine it, it can be done. You know, the Lord showed me probably 20 years ago that you could send electricity without any wires and that you could use electricity without having all of these wires and stuff. And I thought, is this really God? And I went to studying it. And did you know now they have little things that you can put on your wall and you can turn things on and off. And, and uh, a guy named, um, oh, who's the guy in Colorado Springs? Tesla. Did you know in the 1890s, I think it was, he sent electricity from Colorado Springs to Monument, Colorado, which is probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 miles away and hit a dish that was about six inches wide with that bolt of electricity, sent it through the air and hit it and did that in the 1890s. He set 2,000 electric light bulbs around the world, China, Asia, South Africa, uh, South America, 2000 light bulbs on metal poles driven in the ground. And he lit all of them instantly at the exact time, predicted it and turned every one of those light bulbs on without a single wire all over the world. Did you know that the United States government, when he died in the, uh, I forgot what it was, the 1920s or 30s, they confiscated all of his experiments because it was so scary about the potential of what he could do. And, but he had revelation. He could do that. And the Lord showed me this stuff and I started studying and found out that there's things that have been done. If you can imagine it, you can do it. I just saw this. This was sent to me this week on the internet and they have a thing here in Massachusetts that produces 3D copying. Have any of you heard of that? There's some people in here that can verify it. And I saw this and a guy took one of these big old wrenches like this and he took it in and he says, can you copy this in a copier? And the guy said, yeah. And they have this 
I don't know, a, a deal of resin and they put this in and it scans this thing and you can change it. Like for instance, the adjustment bolt on it, they decided that let's turn that red. And so they just put that into the computer and did it. And then they started scanning this thing. And in a certain period of time, they pulled out this tray and the guy said, stick your hand in there. And he stuck his hand in and pulled out a wrench that was an identical copy. It's less than one micron different from the original 3D image that you could adjust the bolt and change it. And he actually put a bolt on a nut and started using leverage and use that thing. And he created a wrench in a copier, just like on Star Trek, a replicator. (laughs) Did you know what? If you can conceive it, if you can see it, there is a way to bring it to pass. You can do those things. That's how powerful our imagination is. If you can see it on the inside, you can see it on the outside. God made us this way. And I believe in evolution. I just don't believe we've evolved from one single cell in slime up to this complicated, sophisticated being. I believe we've evolved down that we were so powerful that man, things are possible to us that, that people today don't even believe. We just have accepted that we're limited in all of these ways, but your imagination is so powerful. It was a threat to God and God had to come down here and do something to hinder man's imagination or anything that we imagine could be done. That's how powerful the spiritual womb, the conception part of your mind is. And this is what is being said to Moses. Behold, I have given Sihon into your hand. It's a done deal. It wasn't done in the natural, but it was done by God. And God said, behold it, see it. This is what happened to Joshua when they went to Jericho. He saw the captain of the Lord's army and he walked up to him, this great warrior figure. And he says, are you for us or for the, for our enemies? And he said, neither. But as the captain of the host of the Lord, am I come? And Joshua fell on his face And this messenger of God, some people believe it was a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus, gave him the battle plans for Jericho and told him how to march around it once every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around seven times and then shout. What does that do? It was a God-given idea and he believed it and he saw it and he followed it. And because of it, the walls fell down flat and they conquered this great city. Moses, it says, see that you make all of the tabernacle and all of these instruments according to the pattern shown to you in the mount. He saw it with his heart. He saw the temple of God. He had a revelation of these things and he was building the physical tabernacle according to what he had seen by faith. It's amazing how people miss all of this, but you got to see things. The reason we saw $3.2 million come in in 14 months and we did it debt free on this previous building is because I saw it. And the Lord was speaking to me the last few weeks. You've got to see this thing done and not only the physical buildings, but you got to see intangible things. Like, how do I do it? Lord, how do you want me to do this? 
going back to our previous building, do you know when we built it, I knew that eventually I was going to have to share with my partners because the Lord told me my partners were the bank and my partners would help me do this thing debt free. And so I, I had some direction, but I didn't want, man, I wish I had hours to tell you all of this stuff. These are some very important things I'm saying, but I just, I've learned that for you to take a word from God and make a paragraph out of it, you're about to get into trouble. You need to sit on things until it becomes crystal clear, until you have clear direction. Some people get a little inkling and then they just run ahead of God and make a mess out of everything, such as Moses and other people. And so I I knew that eventually I was going to have to share with my partners, but you know what? I waited for about four months or something after God told me what to do before I communicated to my partners and spoke to them. And the reason was I knew I had to express this, but I needed to wait until God, until I saw how to do it. Not a physical thing like a building, but I just had a clear understanding of how I was supposed to present it and what I was supposed to say and what I was supposed to do. So I waited. And most people thought, boy, you're burning daylight. You need the money now. You're delaying the project. But I just waited and then God showed me. And I I was praying the whole time and what I was doing, I was seeing with my heart. And it just took me about four months to get to where I could see things clearly. And then I saw how to share this. I shared it with my partners and boom. Here came all of the finances and things came to pass. Man, this is important. And I can tell you, I, again, I, I, uh, you know, give you credit. You're here on a Friday night. Praise God. You're the cream of the crop. And yet I bet you that the vast majority of people sitting in here do not spend very much time meditating and using your imagination and seeing what God has spoken to you on the inside. You just go for it. You pray for it. And then in between, when you say, amen, and there it is, you sit down and watch as the stomach turns on television or do something else to occupy you. And you don't spend a lot of time daydreaming. There's a man who's a millionaire from Australia and he spends one day a week doing nothing but thinking. Peter Daniels, and he's become a multimillionaire. And he at one time was a bum on the street. And he's learned the power of just sitting down and thinking. You know, this last week after the Lord was speaking some of these things, I spent an hour or two just sitting out on my rock, looking out across the mountains that God has given us. And I just sat there praying in tongues and saying, God, help me to see clearly what to do. I was trying to behold what God has given me. I was praying and I need clarity. I need to see it. This is so simple. Once you see it, you wonder how in the world you don't understand this, but it is not the normal way. Carnal human beings are going to go only by what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But God gave you an ability to see with your heart. And this is what he's telling Moses. Behold, I have given into your hands, Sihon, You've got to see him defeated. You've got to see your enemy defeated. You've got to see sickness defeated. You've got to see poverty defeated. There are many of you that see your giant that you're fighting as being bigger and stronger than you. There are many of you that actually see 
Like this is the reason that when the medical profession says something like AIDS, you got AIDS. We don't have a cure for it. And so people immediately have panic and fear. They say cancer and you just fall apart like a $2 suitcase because they said cancer. Did you know that they can do more to heal cancer than they can a cold? You can't do a thing to heal a cold. You can give something that'll dry your sinuses up and take away some of the symptoms of it. It might, you can get a painkiller that will minimize the effects, but I've actually read some medical things that if you take cold medication, it actually prolongs cold in your body. You will have the cold virus in your body longer. You might not have the symptoms as bad, but the cold will actually stay in your body. They said the best thing you can do for a cold is chicken soup. We can't treat a cold. But yet when the doctor tells you, you got a cold, you go, oh, hallelujah. Thank God. It's only a cold. I'm glad it's not something worse. But the doctor tells you, you got cancer and all of a sudden fear comes in and you just panic. What's the difference? The difference is the way you picture cancer and a cold. Again, we can actually do more to affect cancer than we can a cold, but you don't have the same image associated. You haven't seen people die of a cold and you have, you don't remember dear old aunt Susie who got weaker and weaker and weaker and terrible pain until she finally just died. And you don't have that image of a cold. And the problem, the reason it's harder for people to get healed of cancer than it is a cold is not because it takes more power of God. It doesn't take any more power of God to raise a person from the dead than it does to get a headache healed. The same power that heals you of a headache raises people from the dead. There aren't varying degrees of power. One ounce of God's power is more than enough to do anything. But the problem is we have fear associated with certain things because we've seen people die of that. We've been told all of this negative stuff and you have a negative image and fear and that's what's stopping the power of God from operating. Not the severity of your giant, but the way you view yourself and the way you see yourself compared to that. And you've got to change that. You've got to recognize I can do all things through Christ. That includes being healed of cancer. That includes prospering during a recession. You know, many Christians, they just see themselves as only human. And so when we had a so-called recession, people just immediately expected bad. They started planning for a defeat. People immediately quit giving as much money, which is the worst thing you could do during a financial crisis. People immediately saw themselves suffering. They began to start planning for it. That's the image that they had And guess what? It has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. But you know, Jamie and I stood and the Lord said that he's supplying all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I don't care what the U.S. economy does, I'm blessed. And we begin to start speaking blessing. And that's during the time that the Lord told me to start planning for this $45 million expansion and expanding our Bible college and doing things. And you know what? We went full steam ahead while everybody else is decreasing. And during the first six months of the recession, when the stock market lost half of its value, our stocks went up 61% while everybody else's went down 50%. People say, how did you do that? Who's your stock? broker. It's not my stock broker. It's my faith. It's my image on the inside. You're missing the point. You're reverting back to the natural. 
and only looking for some physical thing. It's the fact that I was believing God and our finances are going contrary to everybody else's. We had our media buyer contact us and he says, what are you guys doing? You guys are prospering while everybody else is plateaued and going down and we're doubling and tripling and God is blessing us. It is because I see things differently than other people see it. I'm letting the word of God dominate me instead of natural things. And this is not just for me. This is for Joe Blow, Jane Doe, believer. This is for every one of us. You've got the power of God. God's got a purpose for your life. He wants you to rise up, find out what his purpose is. Pass over that point of no return and get over there and contend with the enemy and start seeing yourself succeed. Don't see yourself the way everybody else sees you. Don't see yourself as a mere human being. Don't see yourself as, well, I'm in an industry that you just don't understand. Realtors, this is not a good time. I've got realtors that are prospering. We've got a guy that went through our Bible school and he is a, uh, I don't know what the proper term is, like a realtor broker or something. And he started a business right before the downturn in the real estate market. And this guy is prospering hand over fist, making money by the tens of thousands of dollars. Amen. People say you can't do that. That's because you see yourself as only human and limited to what you're hearing on the news. You don't see yourself the way the word sees you. During a time of famine, Isaac, 26th chapter of the book of Genesis, he stayed in the land. The Lord said, don't go down into Egypt. That's where there was still water and there was still provision. He says, stay in this land and sow your seed. And he stayed and sowed his seed in a year of famine and received a hundredfold. A hundredfold in a year where there wasn't rain, where crops weren't growing. And not only did he have this, a hundredfold is good anytime, even in a good year, but in a year of famine, it's, it's astounding. And everybody else was gone into Egypt. So he didn't have any competition. He had a market, a monopoly on the market. And guess what? He didn't own any land. He was sowing his crops in other people's land who deserted their land and went into Egypt because they were trying to play it safe but he saw himself prospering. And this man in one year's time became filthy, stinking, dirty, rich because he saw things different than other people. And that was in a year of famine. Don't tell me you can't prosper contrary to what everybody else is doing. Brothers and sisters, the issue isn't what the world is doing. You can't control the world, but you can control what's going on on the inside of you. You don't have to let fear that's in the world get on the inside of you. You don't have to let recession on the inside of you. You don't have to let sickness on the inside of you. You don't have to let anger and bitterness and hurt on the inside of you. People can hate you and do whatever. And that doesn't mean it has to be on the inside of you. If criticism would kill you, I'd be dead. There's people that hate me with a passion, but it's not on the inside of me. Nobody's going to rent space in my mind. Nobody's going to occupy me except the people I want in there. And I don't care what you do. It's not going to keep me up tonight. I'm not insensitive. I don't like rejection. I don't like people hating me. But if you come up to me tonight and say, everything you say is of the devil, I don't believe a bit of it. 
That's not going to bless me. It's not going to make me smile, but it won't keep me up tonight because I've learned how to cast that over on the Lord and keep focused on who I am in Christ. And you are not going to bother me. I just don't value your opinion that much. I tell you, this is powerful. This is what God's been speaking to me about. You've got to behold and see these things done. Not only the physical buildings, but you've got to see people's lives being changed. You've got to see this school grow to where it has over 3,000 students. You've got to see nations being changed. You've got to see the body of Christ being changed by what I'm doing. And I'm seeing it. And I can tell you this. When I see it on the inside, I can see it on the outside. What started us on this building program is because I was praying and I saw growth and I looked at our facility and it didn't, it wouldn't contain what I saw on the inside. And so I had to start praying and saying, God, how are we going to accommodate this? Show me. And I started praying and over a year's period of time or so, God just, I called some of our guys together. I remember David was there and uh, some of our guys were in there. And anyway, we got together and all of a sudden I saw it. I saw that, man, this is what God wants me to do. And it's like, I knew this, but it was so far off in the future. I couldn't see it clearly. But then two years ago, I saw it clearly. And you know what? Now I'm seeing it clearer than I used to. And it's like, it gets clearer and clearer all the time. The more I pray about it. And I can promise you the things I see on the inside, you will see on the outside. And some of you will sit there and say, I don't think this will ever work. It'll never, you just hide and watch. And when it comes to pass and you come to our dedication service and you see the great things and you'll be rejoicing and saying, isn't this great? I'll be just like this because I've already seen it. (laughs) Seeing it with my eyes is not going to be a big deal because I can see it on the inside. Man, this is powerful. If you could take what I'm talking about tonight and apply this to your situation, I tell you, heaven and earth would move to be able to bring that vision to pass. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But man, if you can have a vision, if you can see it on the inside, you'll see it on the outside. And this is where so many people are missing it. You need to spend more time hoping and dreaming and seeing things in less time, begging and griping and complaining. Amen. If you can do that, change your life. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for these truths. Thank you for the word of God. And I'm just asking that the Holy Spirit would take these truths that we've talked about tonight and apply it specifically to every person's situation. And show them, Father, how they may be asking for something and desiring something, but they haven't seen it. They actually see things differently than what they're praying for. And Father, I pray that you help people tonight to understand the power of just seeing with their heart. Seeing things that can't be seen with their physical eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Some of you right now, you're saying, how do you do it? All right, I see the importance of it. How do you do it? You take times just like this, where the Lord has spoken something to you. There's an excitement in your heart. 
and just sit here for a moment or two and with your imagination, see yourself succeeding. See yourself doing what God has laid on your heart. And let your imagination just paint a picture on the inside of what that looks like. Does that mean you have to move to do something? Does that mean you have to quit your job and start your own business? Does that mean that you're going to be promoted into your job? Does that mean that your investments are going to start prospering instead of being destroyed, going down? Does that mean that you're going to live and not die instead of letting what the doctor says paint an image and you see yourself sick? Let the Word of God paint an image and see yourself well. See yourself standing on a stage, giving testimony and glorifying God that you overcame this sickness and disease and that you're no longer sick and poor. See yourself succeeding. And pray and let God inspire it so that it's not just your own thoughts, but it's God-inspired desires. And you can do this and it'll just excite your heart. And once you see it on the inside, you can have it on the outside. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit uses these things to transform the way we see with our heart. And I thank you for it, Father. I believe that's coming to pass in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. I tell you, brothers and sisters, I've said a mouthful here tonight. You could spend the rest of your life trying to understand and implement what I've talked about. It's that important. I've got a lot of teaching on this. You ought to go get some teaching and meditate on this and begin to start uh, developing this in your life because it's much more than what I've shared with you tonight. If there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know Jesus... You need to be born again. You need to see yourself as forgiven. You need to accept that Jesus has already died for your sins and make that a reality. It's provided, it's available, but you've got to reach out and take it and make it your own. And if you've already been born again, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say that what I've talked about tonight is impossible to do without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And there are so many Christians that only had salvation presented to them as the forgiveness of their sins and they got saved and they're stuck. And you are abandoned to only the physical, natural things, what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But when the Holy Spirit comes and you receive this gift of speaking in tongues, you start getting an ability to flow in the spirit realm that you don't have without the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that you can't go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. You can actually get there quicker without the Holy Spirit because you won't have this ability to conceive and see things and, and believe. But you need the power of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, it just makes you come alive spiritually and it's impossible to operate in what I've talked about tonight without the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So is there anybody here tonight who would say, I either need to be born again and or I need this baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues? Is there anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's a person back here, some people. Anybody else? I think we've already had, I think, what was it? 77 people and uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, 14 born again. But man, I don't want to let you go without giving you this. Every person needs these two things. 
Every person must be born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, but just couldn't see yourself doing it, (laughs) you need to come forward anyway. Come up here and let us pray with you and praise God. We'll help you. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. It's going to change your life. Awesome. How about you? Are you born again? You born again? How about you, brother? Are you born again? Do you know for sure that you're headed to heaven? I'm sure I'm ready to heaven. You're sure? I believe. You believe? Well, that's all it takes. It's real belief. Amen. How about you? You born again? Definitely. How about you? anybody out of it. There are just so many people that are confused today thinking that they're saved because they're a good person. Good people don't go to heaven. It's saved people that go to heaven by the grace of God. Not None of us deserve it. How about you, brother? Are you born again? You are? You believe so. Are you sure? Pretty sure? <laughs> you know, this is a thing that you got to be absolutely sure. Have you ever prayed and made Jesus your personal Lord? Do you believe that he forgave you of your sins? If you were to die right now, where would you go? To heaven. Why is that? That's it. You've got the right answers. I believe you're born again. All right, so everybody up here is born again. So you know what? You're already the temple of the Holy Spirit. God made you for this. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to beg. We aren't going to beg. The Bible says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So it's just a simple matter of asking. God wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have the Holy Spirit. So all you got to do is open up the doors of this temple and just let him in. So we're just going to ask a real simple prayer. Are you born again? Sure of that? Amen. How about you, little brother? Are you born again? Awesome. How old are you? Turn six today. Man, what a great day to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? We're just going to ask the Lord. And God is going to give you the Holy Spirit. We aren't going to have to beg. It's going to happen. And I want you to do what I was talking about tonight. And see this by faith, not go by feelings. Don't wait on a goosebump to go up and down your spine. Don't wait to fall out on the floor. All of those things may happen, and if they happen, hallelujah. But we're going to believe God. So we're just going to ask and believe God. And then I'm going to ask our prayer ministers to come up here, and they're going to lay hands on you. Because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit is given. And so we're going to ask then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And then I want you to start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what you feel like, just start thanking him and trust him and say, Father, I know it's true. In the spirit realm, I am now filled with your power. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. Start thanking him for it. And then the people behind you are going to start speaking in tongues. I'd like to ask all of the people here 
that have the gift of tongues to just start praying in tongues because the Bible says when you're praying in tongues, you're giving thanks unto God. So we will start thanking God by speaking in tongues. And as we speak in tongues, I want you to quit thanking him in English and start thanking him in tongues. Just switch over and let God speak through you. He won't force you to do it. The number one thing that stops people from speaking in tongues is they don't want to do it themselves. They want God to just force them to speak in tongues. The Bible says in Acts 2, 4 that they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the inspiration. God does not make you speak in tongues. He just inspires you to do it. And you, it says they spoke with tongues. You are the one that speaks in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. You speak in tongues, believing it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So you're going to have to open your mouth and talk. But if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. But I believe God's going to give every one of us the Holy Spirit. And then we in turn are going to release it by faith and start speaking in tongues. Is that good? You believe you're going to do that? Yes, you are. This is your birthday. Jesus is giving you a birthday present. The Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Isn't that great? Is he coming to receive the Holy Spirit? Praise the Lord. Are you born again? Has he made Jesus as Lord? Yeah. Amen. Okay, we're going to pray, and I believe that you are going to receive this gift. Father, we thank you that all of these people here are born again. They have made you their Lord. According to the word of God, we are a temple for the Holy Spirit. You created us to fill with your Holy Spirit. So right now we open up the doors of this temple and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into our life right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come and fill us right now. We give you right freedom and invitation to come into our life and reside right now. We lay hands on you now in the name of Jesus and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power to flow into every single life right now. Holy Spirit, come and fill them now with your power and with your ability, with this gift of speaking in tongues, a spiritual awareness. Help them to go beyond themselves and get into the power of the Holy Spirit. We just agree and receive and release this right now. Now I want you to begin to thank God. Let's lift your hands like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you put your hands up and say, I yield, I surrender. Yield right now. The Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. He loves it when you yield to Him. And just thank Him right now that He has given you the Holy Spirit. Say it out loud. Talk out loud. Thank you, Father, for giving me the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's begin to pray in tongues right now and worship God. And as we speak in tongues and thank Him, you switch over and quit praying in English and start praying in tongues with us. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but your tongue will be unique to you. It'll be different. You can't say what they're saying. It'll come out different and just keep talking. Don't worry about what it sounds like. You aren't talking to yourself. This is one of the reasons speaking in tongues is so powerful is because it's bypassing your brain. You're having to activate your spirit. You're having to walk in the spirit and believe that by faith, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through you. You don't know what you're saying. 
That's the reason it's so powerful. It's just like turning on the spirit realm. Let's pray in tongues right now. Some people worry about what it sounds like. I've actually heard a language that is nothing but clicks of the tongue. And that's a language. There's a language that is nothing but whistles. Man, don't worry about what it sounds like. You're speaking in supernatural ability. You're bypassing your brain. You're praying out of your spirit. Thank you, Father. Father, we bless you and thank you, Father, for giving every one of these the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to open your mouth to pray in tongues. You can't pray in tongues with your mouth closed. Don't speak English. You can't speak English and tongues at the same time. Let's pray in tongues. Are you speaking in tongues? You aren't? Oh, she is. Amen. Do you think God would give her the Holy Spirit and not you? No way. Man, he gave it to you. Let me have your attention here for just a moment. Did you know that I believe God gave every one of you the Holy Spirit? Because he promised that he would. Whether you spoke in tongues or not doesn't mean God didn't give. It just means you're having trouble receiving Nobody had more trouble receiving than I did. I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues. And it was three and a half years before I spoke in tongues. But that's because I was a Baptist. And I thought that it was of the devil. I had been told that you became demon possessed if you ever spoke in tongues. And because of it, I was so afraid it hindered me speaking in tongues. But I kept praying and eventually I got my questions answered. And I've written a book about this that answers all of this. And it'll tell you every uh, hindrance I had about speaking in tongues. And now I can pray in tongues with the best of them. I pray in tongues a lot. And I'd like to give every one of you one of these books because this is important what's happened to you. This is, uh, outside of you being born again, this is the most important thing that will ever happen to you spiritually. It just opens up a brand new dimension to you and an ability. It gives you power. But you've got to understand it to be able to get the full benefit. So I've written it in a book. I'd like to give it to every one of you as my gift. And I I really encourage you to get it and read it and study it because this could be so powerful. It could just transform your entire life. This changed my life more than any other single experience I've ever had. So this is really powerful. We've got Robert right here. He's a man standing here with his Bible up. And if you would follow him, we've got a room right next door. They're going to give you this book. There's people that will pray with you and help you and do anything we can to help you get the maximum benefit from this, okay? So if you would, just follow Robert. It'll only take a few moments, and we want to bless you and help you to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Happy birthday. Amen. That's awesome. You know, some people think this is too young to receive. I was eight when I got born again. And I guarantee you, I got born again. I was made fun of the next day in school, third grade, because I was changed. People could tell that I was different. Man, that's, that's incorrect. Matter of fact, Jesus said, unless you come like a little child, you can't even enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's got to be just childlike faith. It's not difficult. Our sophistication... Our education 
gets in the way of us responding to God. And just God is well able to move in little kids' lives. I think that's great. These are our prayer ministers here. These are people that love God. They all have been through a training. They pray according to the way that God has revealed to me in a better way to pray. We have Ashley and Carly that has a session with them. And these are people that I have confidence in that when you come up here and get prayer, we can see a miracle. And I just simply cannot minister to every person. I don't need to minister to every person. It's not me that's doing the healing. It's Jesus. And this is just a point of contact for you to come and say, man, I just want agreement and I'm receiving what's mine. And so if you need prayer for any type of healing, if you need prayer for anything, maybe you receive the message tonight and you need prayer for your vision that you can start seeing with your heart, then I encourage you to come and let one of our prayer ministers pray with you right now. If you want to come, get up out of your seat and come forward. And we've got people standing at the aisles here. They're going to direct you towards one of our prayer ministers so everybody won't just go to one side. If you cooperate with them, it'll help us. But if you need prayer for anything, just come forward right now. Let one of our prayer ministers pray with you. Rest of you, remember that we have CDs of the three previous services tonight and the two previous services are already duplicated out there. CDs and DVDs, you can pick them up. And let me just say that what you've heard tonight, I don't, I've not heard anybody else teach on this. I'm sure that there are people who do it. I just hadn't heard it, but it's rare you need to get this teaching and you need to listen to it over and over and over and over again. And also it's a great way to share it with other people. So anyway, please take advantage of all of those things out there. If you need prayer, come forward right now and let someone just pray with you and agree and praise God. We're going to receive miracles. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need to go, you're welcome to stay and pray with us. If you'd like to stay and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you and we agree, Father, for every single person, whatever their need is, we believe that you've already meant it. We believe that by the stripes of Jesus, we've already been healed. You've already done it. I pray that you open up people's eyes to this tonight and let them see themselves well. Here's something the Lord just reminded me of, that if you are one that has been sick and if you've got a negative image, if you've seen yourself sick, you've seen, you've read the diagnosis and you've seen what this is supposed to do to your body, you've got a negative image, you're seeing the negative, that's coming to pass in your life. You can't just cast out thoughts. You have to replace thoughts with other thoughts. You have to replace a negative image with a positive image. So if you've got a negative image, if you see yourself failing in some area, sickness, finances, relationships, you see your marriage failing, you've got to replace it with a different image. You can't just rebuke that image, you replace it. And so what you need to do is sit down with the word of God. Take some example where God healed a person of something miraculous 
or turn their finances around or restored a relationship or something and go and picture that and see that happening for you. Get a picture of it happening in your life. And if you can do that, if you can see it on the inside, you'll see it on the outside. That's important. You got to replace images with other images. You can't just not think. You can't just cast thoughts out. You have to replace them. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree and we receive this. Thank you, Father, for healing these people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here's some people in here that have been sick for so long. You see yourself sick. You dream sick. You think sick. God right now is just touching you. He's changing that image on the inside. You need to receive this. There's some people that God is speaking to directly tonight. And he's just changing this image. You need to sit there and soak in this. And as we're praying here tonight, you need to let God change this image that's on the inside. You don't need to see yourself getting worse. You don't need to see yourself being without work. You need to see yourself well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Here's some of you that see yourself inferior. Inferior to other people, inferior to circumstances and different things. And you know what? In the natural, that may be true. But in the spirit, man, you aren't inferior to anything. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You need to start seeing who you are in Christ. You need to start seeing Christ on the inside of you. You need to get an image of yourself in the spirit man. I've got teaching out there entitled Spirit, Soul, and Body. That's what that does. That changes the way you see yourself. Man, that's important. Father, I just pray that you give us another heart. You give us an ability to see ourselves in the spirit, man, the way that we really are, the real spiritual power and ability that we have. Thank you, Father. We agree and we receive that. And the Bible also says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You have to condemn, cancel out negative words and negative images that have been spoken over you. If a doctor has spoken something over you that's defeat, if a banker, a family member, a friend, an employer, a uh, you know, relative or something. Anybody who said something negative about you, you got to cancel it. It says you have to condemn it. You have to say no in the name of Jesus. That is not me. That is not what's happening. You have to cancel it. You have that power. Cancel these things. There's people right now in this room that need to cancel some things that other people have said over you. And you need to cancel that. Some of you have been told you're a loser from the time you're a kid. You need to cancel that. You need to say, that is not me. That is not the image I'm going to retain. 
You've got to condemn these words is what it says, Isaiah 54, 17. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I agree. And right now I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is just rising up on the inside of people and helping them to change these images, to change the words that have been spoken, to condemn them and to release what you have to say about them. It doesn't matter what the giants say. It's what we say about ourselves that counts. And Father, we right now just speak over ourselves that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. I receive these things now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's the power of God manifesting and flowing in some of your all's life. You know, the healing of your physical body is minor compared to the healing of your emotions and the way you think. That's the most important thing. And if you can get it straightened out on the inside and begin to start seeing yourself properly and thinking according to the Word of God, it's just a brief matter of time until your physical body responds, goes along with it. Thank you, Jesus. I love to see people heal, but you know what I like more than anything is when people get a revelation from God, begin to see themselves the way God sees them, because you'll, you'll never be the same. You'll be different from then on. Transform your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, often I call out healings through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I feel like tonight that God has been trying to get us to walk by faith and not by sight, to get hold of these things on the inside. And I just feel like that's been the focus. And so I'm going to leave you with that tonight and just encourage you to take these things that I've talked about and begin to start using a sanctified imagination and see yourself doing what God says. See yourself well. And if you can do that, you'll see it on the outside. Amen. So our prayer ministers up here, we're going to pray until everybody's dealt with the rest of you. You're free to go. Remember that we'll be back tomorrow at 10 in the morning and six tomorrow night, not seven. I do that so that my staff can get through. It usually takes them until if it used to take until two in the morning. Now they get through about 1230 or one. Amen. So we're going to start an hour early tomorrow at six o'clock. So be here and receive. We got some great things to share. Amen. God bless you.